Hello, welcome to the Living Open podcast for mystics and seekers. I'm your host, Erin. I'm a Philly-based healing artist, and this is a podcast to support your healing journey. Hello, my friends. Welcome to another episode of the Living Open podcast. Thank you for your patience on the episode being out late. It is not late because I was out celebrating the 4th of July. (laughs) I just had quite the weekend and am softening around work things and projects so much that I didn't want to force the episode out yesterday when I really just wanted to spend all day cuddling with my partner. So here we go, a day late. Um, this week's episode is on folk magic and poetry and plans with Liz Miliarelli. Liz, who uses she, her pronouns, belongs to a lineage of spinsters, hedge witches, bee maidens, apple romancers, and herb cunning folk. She's an herbalist, animist, and educator who's inspired by the old folkways, emerging folkways, and the deep enchantment of the plant realm. She weaves together and facilitates classes on plant medicine, storytelling, ancestral remembrance, earth rhythms, folk magic, hearth culture, poetry, and social justice movements. In this episode, we talk about her journey with plants and magic, folk magic as nourishment for life, ancestral folk magic practices she's woven into her life, healing for our ancestry through the way that we live, dream magic, why she loves poetry and what poetry means to her, turning back to poetry when things fall apart, flower essences as poems, Liz reads us a poem that has been resonating with her lately, and we talk about working with elements um, in different seasons, like the fires of spring versus the fires of summer, and leaning into the subtle magic of seasonality. I've been thinking a lot about writing poetry as magic and art as magic and that's just a really present part of my life right now so this episode felt like such a lovely conversation around art and magic and um, folk ways and how we actually live these practices and they expand beyond something that is like carved into the morning routine or immediately when we wake up but beyond beyond that and into this is actually the threads these are actually the threads of my life these are actually my life (laughs) um so I love talking with Liz about that and since we talk about poetry so much it feels appropriate and timely on this episode which I did not plan (laughs) to share um some of my poems that just got published in a poetry journal online um with you they're free on Tilted House website for you to read Tilted House is an online poetry magazine um and I have two poems up there right now one is called Daddy and it's an exploration of reclaiming and healing through kink and the other one is Dinner Party which is a reflection on becoming and being molded in really harmful formative relationship so i'll put the link to those poems in the description if you want to check them out and i also wanted to let you know in that same vein i'm hosting an erotic poetry writing class at the end of the month to write poems together centering pleasure and sexuality and eroticism so there will be some specific poetry prompts given 
to help you connect with and express these parts of yourself. So really intended to be a healing space for reclaiming sexuality and erotic expression through writing. And I'll put the link to that in the description along with all of Liz's links and the poems on Tilted House um, if you want to check it out. And with that, let's get into my conversation with Liz. Yeah, I love to start the podcast by hearing about your story and your journey. So I'd love to hear anything you want to share about your journey with herbs and folk magic and how it's brought you to this moment in your life. Yeah, um, I really I wasn't necessarily a plant person as a kid. I really I grew up in New York City, so um I think I always really liked trees and things but I just it wasn't a part of my life you know in in many different ways um but I did have crushes on on different trees for sure as a child um but really like what brought me to the plants was being pretty ill for um a lot of my childhood and into I mean, almost into my twenties, into my twenties for sure, actually. Um, and I was lucky enough to be living with a woman, uh, when I was in college in Olympia, Washington, who basically it was just open this portal to nettles for me. And it was through nettles and meeting that plant and really developing a relationship with nettles that I, um, kind of like never, never crossed back from the plant realm. (laughs) Like that was the, that was the big entrance for me. Um, And yeah, so, so from there I started just this complete exploration of what it means to be accountable for my health in different ways or, you know, within the realm of like what I could be accountable for. Right. Cause there's a lot that's a mystery. There's a lot that we can't control, but you know, what are the ways in which I can show up for myself and, um, you know, practice harm reduction and just create a good foundation of supporting my nervous system or whatever, whatever, whatever it is. Because before, you know, I'd I grew up in a family that was just like, Oh, if you have an issue, you go to the doctor and you just kind of like hand over your autonomy, but also, um, yeah, you're, you're kind of your inner knowing, you know, Mm -hmm. or that just like, wasn't something that was cultivated. Um, so yeah, so I was really, into that and decided to go to herb school after a few years of really diving into like independent study with plants and um, then kind of became a clinician, was was trained clinically. Um, but in all of that, there was this thing really lacking in my experience in uh, herb school of magic essentially. Um, which for me always really felt like the biggest gift that the plants offered was this portal into enchantment or just not even that it's like separate from, but just that Mm. enchantment is here and that, 
um, I, it's accessible and, um, yeah, and, and that it can be actually like a daily experience. And so I really started to look into the, the folk practices of my ancestors, the healing practices of my ancestors. Um, I was lucky to have an incredible teacher, Atava Garcia Suzeki of the Ancestral Apothecary School in Oakland. And um, she really helped me connect with, um, yeah, with my ancestral practices and, and really encourage me then to create this curriculum for this class that I have been teaching for almost eight years called the folk medicine and magic of old Europe. Um, and yeah, I mean, really what actually happened that kind of brought me like really deep into the folk magic world was that I was in herb school in my clinical years and I had a dream about this woman mm -hmm. who introduced herself to me as Theodosia. And it turns out that that was my great grandmother's name, but I didn't know that at the time. And in the dream, she basically told me that if I didn't learn about my ancestors, I would die, um, which is very dramatic <laughs> and very uh, pointed, but it was like a very clear direction and a very clear instruction um, and so because of that dream, then like my entire life changed. Um, so yeah, so here I am, you know, I, I feel like I've been doing this work now for, yeah, nine ish years and, um, you know, te teaching and, and seeing clients and, um, really grounding in these ancestral folk practices, um, and it's really evolved in so many different ways, but it, it is just the, I don't know. It's like the, the daily tea that I sip from <laughs> every day. That's, it's just like what nourishes my life, I guess. Yeah. What are some of the folk practices from your ancestors that you are working with or have woven into your life? Yeah, there's so many. <laughs> um, I mean, it, it kind of, it can encompass really all facets of life from, you know, working with the plants and just learning about how, um, you know, my people harvested birch and what kind of applications birch would be used for, um, to cooking, right. And like learning, um, just, yeah, my ancestral food ways and recovering recipes or just even trying them. It's not even like too many of them are hidden. Like I'm lucky to have, uh, many ancestors from Italy. So like, that's like a very easy to access, um, food way. Um, but, but then also, um, gosh, I mean, there's so, so many things I've really, um, I've, I've been learning about the, the folk music and mm -hmm. dances as well, because I feel like the dances are the ways in which our ancestors 
mapped the the constellations in mm-hmm. their bodies is through like yeah moving with the stars and, and learning those dances that because so many of them are such seasonal dances as well that would be done at different times of year um and so yeah learning those steps um but even just like expanding out into how ancestors relate to the elements and like, mm-hmm. you know, like really, really simple stuff. Like what is it like to be in relationship with fire if, you know, or what is it like to be in relationship with water um, as, as kin, right. Mm-hmm. Or as, as a relative. Um, and so, you know, within my, Western Slavic background, there's, there's a lot of lore around sacred water and holy wells and just kind of like bathing rituals and and things like that. And and the ways in which water influences fertility and abundance and kind of like, yeah, brings, brings life. Right. And so Um, just kind of learning about even like the seasonal rituals of water is a way and how now I approach my relationship to water in, Mm -hmm. in the different seasons as well. So, I mean, I could literally spend like an hour, you know, (laughs) listing off, listing off different ways, but it, it's kind of like permeated into all of these other aspects, um, even like learning language, you know, and, and trying mm. to like speak some words <laughs> in, in mother tongues, um, older mother tongues for me, but, but yeah. Yeah. That's so beautiful. I don't know why it's literally never occurred to me. The idea of language. <laughs> I have never, <laughs> ever thought of like, <laughs> learning some German words or something to connect to my ancestors. Yeah. I mean, it it can, it can really actually be that simple, you know? And, um, I mean, not that like German is easy, you know, I, I I don't, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) but I think, um, I think it, even just like learning the words for plant Mm -hmm. or earth, you know, is a really powerful thing to just kind of have that connection and yeah. And then it like creates this actual resonance in, in your body that kind Mm -hmm. of remembers, Oh, what is it like to call the earth by the name that my ancestors knew it as, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it can be super simple and maybe like, I'm not even saying it right, but I'm like trying. (laughs) (laughs) We're trying. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, but I just appreciate how like accessible of an idea that is. And you mentioned food, like that's something I connect with ancestry a lot and eating foods that maybe I research were part of that culture and also foods that like my grandmother would make that maybe don't have anything to do with like German ancestry, but are connected to ancestry in that way. Um, And that feels really good too. And it's like, it's just part of life which I feel like is so much of your work. It's like, it's all of this magic and beauty and ritual, but it's just life. Like it's part of your life. (laughs) Yeah. It's part of my life. And like, it's very, 
it's it's like nothing fancy, you know, because many of these practices aren't very fancy. And it's just, I think it's just kind of like holding, holding it in a place of reverence or just, yeah, I, I just think that relationship to earth is sacred, like for everyone. And so, um, so those practices that cultivate that kind of like kinship or connection feel so profound to me, even though it could literally just be chopping garlic, you know, (laughs) and like, that's, that's enough. And that's like, so beautiful and really, really special to me. Yeah. When you think about, how do I phrase this question? (laughs) So through this whole year, I've been thinking about how being queer and being in queer relationship feels healing for my ancestors too. And I think about maybe ancestors I had who weren't able to live as queer people um, and how for a lot of the women in my lineage, at least the ones I know of, and I can only assume the ones I didn't know of were really like in service to the men they were in relationship with and all of that. And I think about how me living this truth feels healing for them too. So I guess my question is, how do you relate to that idea of like healing for ancestry and the way that we live um, being healing for our ancestors too? Yeah, that's such a beautiful thing to think about. Um, And it can also be really overwhelming and Mm -hmm. like, Oh, is the pressure on? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Because I, I will, like, I have also had experiences where um, I feel like ancestors have very, very strong agendas that don't necessarily um, match up with mine. And I have to like (laughs) have some good boundaries Um, or I'm just like, yeah, I'm not trying to perpetuate that anymore and want to like offer something different, but Um, yeah, I think to me, it, I, I have felt in my body, um, such sweetness and where it almost feels like a honey substance inside of me of, of the thought of being able to carry out or, or just be who I am, um, in a way that like my ancestors were not able to. And I, and I think just the feeling that I have in my body is like a good sense of knowing. Mm -hmm. And I think that if it feels sweet or it feels, I don't know, I I don't know if good is the right word, (laughs) but if it feels, um, comforting or just like you have that inner knowing that it's significant, then that is also enough, you know? Um, I don't feel like it has to be like confirmed in some big, big way, but um, I do believe that, you know, I, I, my business is, is named sister spinster and this idea of, of the spinster is, this, I mean, the, the way that word is used culturally is, is for like 
an unmarried old woman, sometimes not even old. Like if you're in your thirties, you're generally considered a spinster. So I'm in my thirties and like, um, I would be considered a spinster because I'm not married. Um, but the idea was that, Oh, these women aren't good for anything because they haven't married. They haven't had children. They haven't like contributed to society in the way in which, um, society deems as, as valuable. Right. Um, but for me, I really like to think about the way that I live my life and it doesn't really have anything to do with marriage per se, but it's just more about like kind of being uncompromising in certain Mm -hmm. things about myself that like, I don't want to let fit in or I don't need them to fit into cultural norms. So like around queerness or, um, around magic, right? Because also spinsters were perceived as witches or as um, people who, I mean, literally the, the word comes from like, oh, all, all of these women were good for is the act of spinning fiber, um, which is hugely linked to magical practice and this idea mm-hmm. of like creation magic through fiber, right? And that like connects us to the fates and Anyways, but all that being said is just like, I feel like the sharpened tool of my ancestors in many different ways sometimes where it's like, there are gifts that have been handed down and like prayers, I'm sure that have been handed down that I feel sometimes, but, um, and I don't, I don't, I hope it's healing. It feels like it can be at times. Um, and if it's not healing, then like, maybe it's just a remembering, you know, and like that the remembering of it is significant. Like, I don't know if I, if I can say that something is healing for them, but I think that there is a remembrance of like queerness in my body that I'm like, oh, I know that that didn't come, like, I didn't invent that, you know? I'm not the first in my line to experience queerness <laughs> in my body. Like, I really do believe that it's back there somewhere as well. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's just, yeah, it feels like a, the remembering of it feels really sweet to me. Mm. Yeah, I love that. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. And that just makes me think of, too, how, I don't know, like, nothing is black and white like that like I don't really need my I mean I don't hear my ancestors in some specific way or I'm like in this communication where I'm like I'm talking to my ancestors right now um but yeah just having that feeling of like this is good and this feels good not just for me but for maybe for all of us and yeah letting that be like its own prayer or spell or dream too yeah absolutely and I and I think what I do is I, I confirm it in, in other ways outside of myself. So it's like, I have that intuitive knowing of remembrance or I get that mm-hmm. hit of like, oh, right, that's significant. And then like the universe like backs it up in, in mm-hmm. other ways too, where it's like, it like affirms on other levels and through other people in my life or through other circumstances that I'm in. And Um, it feels very, very collaborative, like that Mm. process of, of remembering or honoring or healing. Like, it's not just the singular experience that I'm having, but it's like, 
Right. And like finding queer community that in and of itself is like a remembrance Mm -hmm. as well, you know, like, so it, it, it always expands outside of myself and outside of my experience of like, Oh, I think that this is something valuable or like this like magic moment, but it, it always gets confirmed by relationships and connection to earth and plants and whatever outside of myself as well. Yeah. I'm wondering, I think for me, dreams are so much part of that process and are such a compass and reflection for me. And I feel deeply connected to them. And I'm wondering what your relationship is with your dreams after you shared that beautiful dream uh, at the beginning of our conversation. Yeah. Um, I, I have a very on and off relationship with my, with like my dreams. Um, at that point in my life, I was having like a lot of big instructive dreams and I was really asking for them and, um, had a lot of intention around it. Um, dreaming similarly for me is, is one way in which I really connect with my ancestors and, but also the plants and, um, just like everything, you know, I feel like, um, yeah, like even like lovers, you know, like that's like one way in, um, but it's also something that like can be really tiring (laughs) where to have a consistent dream work practice or just to kind of be like, all right, maybe not every dream has to like have meaning pulled from it. And I just want to like sleep tonight, you know, or yeah. it, it's just, I mean, cause I can, I can be that kind of person who like tries to find meaning or magic in like literally any, like in the most mundane of situations. And so I have to sometimes set a boundary with myself in regards to like, okay, Liz, like, maybe this week you don't wake up six times a night to write a dream down, you know, like, can you just actually sleep? Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, I mean, dreaming, I have, I have a pra- I encourage my students to do it and my clients and I myself do it, but like incubate dreams around plants and ancestors mm-hmm. a lot. And, we do like a lot of sharing in, in the classes that I teach around dreaming because it is one way that we learn from each other. Um, and sometimes having dreams, other people have dreams for you or I don't know, but it's, it's all, it's a very, very rich part of the work that I do, I guess, but also just like, it feels very important to me personally you know it's something that I feel like is is just like a very rich inner world for me Mm. yeah I feel that way as well and dreams feel like such folk practice to me like they're so yeah accessible and free and internal and we've been having dreams for forever so I think working with dreams is really special and what you're saying makes me think about, I was just telling someone this the other day that my dreams have been coming in so like 
heavy and clear and unrelenting for Mm. the first few months of this year, like telling me to do something I didn't want to do and, (laughs) but needed to do. And then I finally did. And now I feel like I haven't had very many dreams and I feel like my dreams are like, okay, good job. Now you can just rest and sleep and we'll let you go for a little while. (laughs) Yeah. Isn't that funny how they can be like that? They can be so pushy sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) My dreams would not let me get out of it. They won't let me get out of anything. And now I'm like, okay, I'm just sleeping. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's such an incredible tool in that way. I mean, if Mm -hmm. you if you are in a place where you can like really listen to it and, and honor it and like take action, right. Then it's, um, yeah, it can change your whole life, you know? And, and just yeah. it's, I mean, even if it's just like a really, really small thing, like, Oh, I need to like pay my bill that I haven't like, or like check my <laughs> bank account or, you know, something like that. Like sometimes I have dreams about that and I'm like, all right, I need to like tidy that zone up in my, in my life. But, um, but yeah, when we really give ourselves the chance to listen to them and then Mm -hmm. act on them in some way and like bring them into the physical realm, whether in whatever way, um, Mm -hmm. yeah, they either can like, I feel like expand out again or, or just, yeah, like let you go. <laughs> and they're like, okay, you can rest a little bit. And like, good job. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we'll be back next month. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like the next peel of like the onion, you know, just mm-hmm. yeah. Forever moving in that way. Yeah. I think sometimes we need some rest in between <laughs> the feeling. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> I wanted to ask you about poetry as well and storytelling a little bit, because from taking your hearth class, I just felt so connected to the stories that you were sharing, the folktales and the poems that you shared. And I write poems and love them. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I guess just to start, I'm just wondering about your relationship to poetry. Like, why do you love poetry? What does it mean to you? Yeah. Wow. That's such a good question. Why do I love it? It's funny. I, I grew up wanting to be a poet. That was like my dream job when I was a kid. Um, and I really, I feel like the work that I do with plants is a version of poetics, you know, it's, it's not very different in my mind. Um, but there was a really long period of time and it it actually really started when I started studying plants and getting like really into like clinical work. Um, and also like, uh, organizing like community organizing. I really like stopped with poetry in my life for maybe 10 years or so. Um, cause it felt like, irrelevant or like not pertinent to, um, you know, the organizing that I was doing or the clinical work that needed to be done. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I kind of like had a break (laughs) probably around 2016, 2017, where I just really realized that like some deeper, 
nourishment was missing and that I had been kind of denying myself that because it felt irrelevant or like too, I don't know. I I think I had like really hardened in different ways and like didn't let myself explore that realm again and had closed Mm -hmm. myself off to it because it didn't feel like I don't know, revolutionary enough or like pertinent enough or something where it's just like, oh, you know, like what does poetry have to say about, you know, like showing up for a clinic? And so when that break kind of, when things sort of fell apart in those years for me, I really like turned back to a regular poem reading practice Mm -hmm. and it felt really important to call that into my teaching and also just into my, my personal relationships with plants, like literally going to a lilac bush and like being like, here's this poem I'm going to read you because I want to share this poem with my lilac friend. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it just like opened, I think poetry puts you in touch with with mystery in a really beautiful way in the same way that the plants do where like is is speaking speaking to and of the invisible realms and um that is something that's like where I like to move from as a Scorpio (laughs) and so it feels yeah it just feels really nourishing to me and so I really um and I think too, like it, it helps, it helps us like release that kind of, um, you know, that like critical mind in that way or, or, or needing to have reason behind something. And so I think it like encourages flexibility and playfulness, which is really something I encourage with the plants and, and it's an important part of developing relationship with ancestors and with plants. And um, so having that be more incorporated in, in my offerings has been really important to me and like kind of is now one of my favorite things to do is like Mm -hmm. call poems for the classes and, and share and read poems and in classes and, Yeah, I just love it so much. Yeah, I love it too. And it's so beautiful to hear you talk about loving poetry. (laughs) (laughs) I think there's so much there for me in poetry about how they don't, like poems don't mean anything and they mean everything. Like they mean something different to each person and they're so alive and it's Mm. not about like finding right answers or logic like you were talking about. It's about like feeling something and seeing what it opens up within you and like how gorgeous the world is so much better because of poetry. (laughs) I totally agree. I I was actually having a conversation with my friend Holly Wren Spaulding, who is a poet and, um, she took a flower essence class that I teach called turning toward the flower. And we were talking about how flower essences actually just feel like little poems where it's Mm. like, because, you know, a poem carries a certain vibration. It carries a certain energy. And like, we, we read a poem and you are like, Ooh, that struck 
something, right? Like something shifted and moved within me after I read that, or it like woke something up or mm-hmm. uncovered something. And that's kind of how I feel like flower essences work in the body. And mm-hmm. so it's just, I've been thinking about that a lot of just like poetry feels like a better language for describing plants than, mm-hmm. and magic, of course, than something mm-hmm. that is like, very definitive, right? Mm -hmm. Like a poem can be interpreted in a million different ways in the same way that you and I can each be drinking a cup of chamomile and have an entirely different experience with Mm -hmm. chamomile, you know? And so I think to work more in that realm or from that space just feels more aligned in regards to like how I feel the plants also work. I think Mm -hmm. that they like it too. (laughs) As you're saying that, I'm like, of course that's true. How could that not be true? <laughs> like, yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I haven't really ever said that out loud, but like in just having this conversation, I'm like, yeah, that makes total sense. <laughs> yeah, I think that's true. <laughs> I'm kind of putting you on the spot here. So no worries. Okay. You don't know. But um, is there a poem or any poems right now that are just really moving you or that you've been reading recently that you love? Okay, so it's really funny. I had a feeling that we were going to talk about poems, and I pulled a poem to read. <laughs> oh my god! Please do. Wow, I'm so excited. It? Yes, yeah, definitely, obviously. Okay. <laughs> and I like. It's funny because I just got this book, and I was flipping through it, and I just I literally like in the five minutes before we we got onto the call. And I was like, oh, this one is good because Aaron was in the hearth class and oh, yay. it speaks about fire. So this is um, by Autumn Richardson and it's from her book, An Almost Gone Radiance. And the poem is titled, When the Deities Are Tended, Morning Comes. Mm. I see the curvature of the earth. It's great bent back wind scathed rocks and juniper crouched into stone stars roost in high darkness Mm. all here bend to the elements and so do i leaning into fire tending coals this is the altar and i offer the sun's cells excised from cedar and birch joints of driftwood become the heat of my blood the sap of my lips Smoke blooms, antiseptic, alternative, enters the cavities of my body, the pores of the forest, mingles with the violet notes of coyote who comes in close. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for reading that. My pleasure. When you said all bend to the elements and so do I, I was like, oh, that's so good. That's it. (laughs) Yeah. Oh. Thank you for sharing that. I love that you brought that. <laughs> I I just had a feeling. I just was like, this is going to happen. I need to like have a poem ready. And it has to be about hearth tending. So and I did not tell you about that. No. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so funny. But I will say like my other North Star in poetry or my, my North Star in poetry is Linda Gregg, um, Mm. who passed away a few years ago, but she just writes like the most erotic 
and, and not like, well, I mean, some are like very, very like about sex, but m- many of them are just like about the eros of, of earth. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, it, they like move in my body in a way that I've never had another poet like do that to me. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, she's my other, my favorite I've read at least one of her poems in your newsletter. (laughs) Yeah, like I feel like I really pull from her a lot. I'm just like, she says everything that I want to say. So there you go. (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. As we're talking about kind of bringing it back to the elements from the elements in the poem, something I'm curious to ask you is from the hearth class, we talked about how you know, maybe this element of fire is kind of woven through your day. And when we would have class, like you would feed the fire and that's part of it. And I'm wondering as we get into summer, how that kind of weaving with elements is present for you and how that's different than in winter. Yeah. So the other thing that I have written down for my notes around this, this time with you is fires of spring versus fires of autumn and like what are the differences <laughs> I don't know why I was just like this feels like this is going to come up as well you're like intuitively um, on point with this <laughs> like the internet connection might not work but we are we We're are getting in somewhere it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um yeah so I think I mean, I don't know how you're feeling and how you're experiencing this season of, you know, summer beginning to really blossom. You're in Philly, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's like similar to here um, in upstate New York. I think we're just a little bit ahead of you in terms of the blooms. and Totally. Yeah. But like when I think about the fires of winter being this like internal... Um, it, it's really like a, a fire of, of survival, right? Mm-hmm. That there's this like, and it, it, and that it's ancestral, it's, it's a fire of, of death. It's, it's literally like keeping us warm mm-hmm. and keeping our stoves and, and ovens going and, and has to has so much to do with that like nourishment of life on like the most basic level of, of survival yeah. where I was just kind of like feeling into it the other day on a walk that I was on of just like oh now the fire is in the roses that are opening and mm. pushing up through the grasses that are growing and it feels so widely accessible where like the fire of winter is this thing that you're like really focused on cultivating and tending Mm. and feeding. Whereas this is like, we feed you from everywhere. You know, it's so much more expansive than this, like more limited. I mean, I don't, I don't want to say it's limited in, in winter, but do you know what I'm saying? It just like, it feels like it's very abundant in everything right now. Like it has to be so much more intentional in winter. Yes. And here it's, yeah, it's abundant. It's all around us. 
Totally. Because it's like everything has the, the spark that had been tended in, internally all winter long. And now mm-hmm. it's just like pushed out. Mm-hmm. It's expanding. It's moving. Um, yeah. And then of course, like I think about all of the, my beloveds on the West coast and how it's like actually fire season now. Right. Mm-hmm. And just like, okay, right. It's, it's externalized. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think like all of my, you know, the ways in which I bend to the elements, they all change at different times of year. I get, they all feel really, really different. Um, but with fire in particular, it just feels like it's this life force that is almost like so expansive that it is ungrounding in this mm-hmm. way, <laughs> you know, where I'm just like, Oh my God, there's so much action. There's so much activity. There's so much happening. Um, whereas in winter, it's like this singular thing has my focus and that's like all I really have to do. <laughs> but now it's like, everyone is chatting. With fire. <laughs> yeah. And how in the winter, the fire is, it's yeah, it's inside. It's intentionally cultivated. And in the summer, it's like the earth's awakening is the fire and the sun is the fire and it's yeah I'm repeating what you said but yes (laughs) totally I mean it's yeah it it takes like a I don't know it's a different I feel like we get to we have that that joy of, of moving through the seasons on the east coast of really being able to see the seasonality of the elements too, that they don't even stay consistent, right. That they are always changing. And like the, the, the wind of winter is so different than like a breezy meadow in June, you know, (laughs) and just, and so that's just something that I love feeling into and that I love being aware of is, is, are those changes and just how incredible they feel in my body. Mm, yeah, I, no one's going to be able to see this except you, but that makes me think of, I did some collage with my friend mm. the other day and I just collaged this bookmark and at the bottom I put mm. changes. I don't know if you That's can so see beautiful. It. <laughs> Is that a flower? Yeah, it's a flower. Mm. And Perfect. I don't even know what this was on the side from a magazine, but it was so beautiful. And yeah, what you were saying just made me think about that, all of the changes and how the elements change too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, um, I don't know. It's something again, like I, I feel like that noticing is like an ancestral practice. Right. And so even just yeah. like tuning into that and really just having that in my awareness and, and noticing how it affects how I feel and my mood and, um, you know, because like culturally, we're just kind of like expected to just show up to work no matter what, mm-hmm. you know, under capitalism. And so it, it just feels like this um, invitation to really like lean into the subtle magic of seasonality, even though it doesn't always feel so subtle, like summer is not subtle by any means, and <laughs> nor is winter, but, <laughs> but it's just like, oh, right. This is something that was like, very important to my ancestors and there are songs about the seasons and like how 
the wind moves through a birch tree. And so if I notice that, like Mm -hmm. that's a remembrance as well. Yeah. That noticing and paying attention and that softening into what's actually happening around us feels so powerful. It feels like resistance. It feels like healing to me. And yeah, it feels like a way that we can stay human and soft when we're yeah, living within capitalism, like you said, and all of these other systems of just like paying attention to earth and our bodies and ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mm. think on that note, I want to ask you the last question that I always ask on this show. And it's just, what does living open mean to you? What comes up when you hear that? Hmm. I mean, I, I feel like it really is just like what we were speaking to of bringing awareness, bringing, like really bringing the sensation of my body into place, Mm -hmm. into where I live and the land that I'm lucky to live on. And um, yeah, just living open to me really just, it feels like the the practice of like presence Mm. of just, yeah. Presencing myself where, where am I right now? How do I feel? And maybe not needing to define it in terms of like, you know, with any kind of real definitive language, but just to feel into something with with my full presence feels feels like that yeah can you tell people where they can find you and follow you online anything you have coming up yeah um my website is sisterspinster.net and my instagram is sister underscore spinster one underscore um I am currently teaching a series that's called Four Stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can, it's, you don't have to take the whole class. You can sign up for one session at a time, but it's actually um, a series on folk tales and corresponding plants. Mm-hmm. So in the first session, I tell, um, I tell a wonder tale for about an hour, an hour and a half, like a big, long fairy tale. And then the second day we explore the plant that that story kind of carries the energetic pattern of. Mm -hmm. And then we work with that plant and the story as medicine. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's kind of this this fun course that, yeah, is using storytelling as a way into the plant realm, or maybe that the plant realm is a way into storytelling. (laughs) Both and. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It moves. It's fluid. (laughs) Yeah. Well, thank you so much. That sounds so beautiful. And thank you for being here and for sharing today. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. This was so fun. 
Thank you so much for listening. If you loved this episode, please do tap five stars and leave us a nice review on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. I appreciate it so, so much. And it's a really lovely way to be in exchange with the show, with an indie podcast. You can check out all the links mentioned in this episode in the description, and I'll be back on Monday with another episode. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss it and stay in touch on Instagram at E-R-Y-N-J underscore or Patreon until then.